0: Welcome back to the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I'm Patrick, and with me as always, my colleague Jakub. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. Jumping off from last episode about on-premise and cloud, what does a migration between the two even mean? What types of migrations are there? And what are the common mistakes to avoid? All that coming up next.
1: Salonis migration, Uh, this has been a huge topic for not only our company, but uh, specifically for myself and my colleague, Patrick. Uh, Salonis migration is something that uh, we've been dealing with last couple of, I would say, almost years with major clients of ours. And in a sense, it means transporting something from an existing uh,
0: on-site Salonis instance into a cloud version is that right patrick yeah that sounds about right so let's kind of get into what we're actually talking about so Solonus in the in the process mining software place is one of the major players and they have two versions of their software actually technically kind of three but the major is the on-premise version that runs in people's own little space of uh, it infrastructure and then also their their cloud service now what we do, or what this migration is supposed to do, is migrate all the, the technical, um, the, the code, the the data models, and the knowledge, the analysis, all this from the on-premise instance into the cloud. Now, um, Jakob, what do I mean when I talk about migrating transformations or or code? What do I mean? Yeah,
1: so uh, in Solonis, you have all kinds of different objects. Uh, when you are an end user, and you are going into the report, and you can drill down on your company code and see what kind of uh, what kind of uh, quantities you've uh, transported in last period. Uh, you first have to think, uh, slow down a bit, and think about what is behind that. So, uh, as I said, Solonis has certain objects uh, where each ob- object has a, a different role. So you have to first somehow. Execute some kind of code which uh, fills in the data into what we call a data model. So in in Selenis on-premise system, that's the that's the Selenis which is running in your uh, in your network. Uh, you are running the code very likely on uh, a customer database. In our case, that usually used to be an SAP system, but you can go in with other databases such as Oracle. Uh, or uh, MSSQL Patrick or Helping. something, yeah, <laughs> anything that yeah. stores large amount of data. But again, in our experience, we mostly work with uh, HANA from SAP. And so what we do there is that we exec we we write a code uh, a query that fills in that we execute and it fills in our data model in in Solonis.
0: Exactly, and uh, of course we have to migrate this from one to the other, but. We also need the data that this transformation is supposed to be running on. So that's also another big step. We have to transport the data from the on-premise database into the cloud. This is another thing we have to migrate. Additionally, you've already mentioned data models. Data models need to be transported from one place to the other. Usually this is a little easier, but keeping in mind that all the data and all the relations to these tables between them need to be transferred correctly into the cloud. And then finally, capping it off, the analysis themselves. Of course, your lovely reports that you've spent years building obviously need to be migrated as well. So, that's the then the last step of the things that we need to migrate. Am I missing anything? No, I think Patrick, I think this is it.
1: Uh, so, just to just to recap on this, it's not your, your uh, standard control C, control, control V so copy pasting <laughs> from one file to another it's a bit more uh, daunting and tedious task. It's imagine if you're moving from one country to another. Uh, So you have uh, a beautiful flat in Germany, and I'm I'm speaking from my own experience now. (laughs) How does it work? Uh, And you decide to move somewhere else, right? So... It's not only that you have take all all your all your furniture and everything you also have to think about what's in the in the next flat or how do you take it there you have to think about does it uh, will everything fit will my uh, huge wardrobe in the corner of the room fit into my slightly less but uh, you know uh more spacious kind of uh <laughs> kind of uh <laughs> living room so these are the kind of things that you will be asking yourself also when you're migrating anything uh that's Remotely similar, but not quite.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, knowing that this is a bit of a daunting task, why would why would people do this? Why why do clients of ours keep asking us? Hey, can you please migrate us to to the cloud?
1: Yeah, you're what what you're doing right here is that you're touching the motivation, and uh, there are multiple things that uh, uh, why clients are even thinking about migrating uh, from from on premise to to uh, current uh, IBC instance or uh is already calls it uh, ECM. So let's just uh, keep up with uh, with the times, right? You mean EMS? Oh, EMS. See, <laughs> <laughs> I keep losing myself in the in the new in the new names. Uh, anyway, so uh, I think if you listen to our previous episode when we were uh, speculating and debating on what are the pros and cons of on premise and uh, cloud solutions for any kind of software. You already have a, uh, an a, an idea, a hinge on why they are doing it in the first place. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, I think one of the major reasons why they are doing it is to keep up to date. Uh, so, in in Solonist cloud version in IBC, I will still stick with the IBC, Patrick. Don't blame me. I am an old-fashioned guy. So <laughs> okay, okay, of course. So in IBC you have uh, significantly more uh, features than you would ever wish for having in your in your cloud in in your on site instance. The reason is quite simple, and is that uh, Solonis it didn't quite stop supporting the old versions, but it doesn't do as much development on the on premise systems because it's just for them it's not as easy to to uh, roll out new stuff as it is for the, the cloud version. So in the, in the IBC, what you can do is uh, there is just so many things. You can set up the action engine uh, skills. You can, uh, you can use the, the backend power that, you, that comes with IBC, meaning that you can, for instance, uh, write your own uh, uh, Python queries or Python scripts, which makes, your, uh, which makes your life significantly easier. And I think we will touch on that as well. Uh, and generally staying up to date
0: absolutely so the 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 new features is I think one of the biggest draws I think uh, if you listen to our previous episode you will know that um playing new updates into a cloud system is way easier than distributing it to everybody that's using an on-premise system right so um not only do you have you get fancy new features but with any type of cloud solution you also get more scalability right this is another thing we touched on on the previous episode But uh, this also holds true for a Solon's migration. The the amount of data and things that you can do with your system are a lot more scalable. So additionally, what we also do is um, there are, of course, process improvements that come with this, right? So a migration can not only be a, hey, we take our X and put it into the other place and have the exact same thing. But we can also improve on the process, right? Because this is a perfect opportunity for any type of um, programmer to fix that bug they've always wanted to fix, but couldn't get approved or couldn't really find. If we're already going to look, be looking at all this code, might as well improve it. Exactly.
1: Right? And uh, the last point that we have here is the the, the overall hardware limitation that uh, is essentially transferred from the client system to Selenus to in this case and i remember from the experience we had a client where we were uh, in parallel basically uh, accessing uh, a multitude of different systems and i think it was the number was as high as 9 systems and uh, we were running relatively heavy queries there and i can you can imagine that the customer was not very happy about that and there was uh, not that much we could do about it so uh, That was also one of the driving forces behind uh, migrating or switching for the cloud
0: solution in the first place. Right. So kind of shifting responsibility of kind of keeping the system up and running, having dedicated people to fix all these bugs and just shifting all that responsibility to the cloud. No headaches, nothing for you. Somebody else is handling all the IT, all the infrastructure, the access, making sure that all works. And all you can focus on is building your pretty analysis.
1: Yeah, I mean... Value creation, you wanted to say, not building analysis. (laughs) (laughs) Either way. Focusing on the value. Uh, But yeah, true. Uh, Patrick, we
0: get to the timeline. Let's get uh, really down to the project. How does it look? Right. So um, first of all, whenever we are in discussions, it is incredibly important to get on the same page with the client about what the migration can do, what it cannot do, and kind of giving a getting an idea of all the things that need to be migrated right so how many analyses are we talking about are we talking about 10 we're talking about thousands right how how many transformations are we talking are these you know um things that could fill a whole book or are these just like a, a couple of queries you know kind of gathering the getting an idea of how much the client wants to be wants to migrate
1: yeah as the
0: next step i would
1: say is uh determining uh the migration strategy so how do you proceed who does what who uh, what is wh- whose responsibility so uh is the client just going to give us all the queries all the scripts and if he does uh is he absolutely certain that we have everything or are we missing something or are we just going to go into celonis and uh you know uh look for the uh dependencies ourselves so you know searching for the queries in the database Uh, and so on. So this is also very important to
0: be very clear on whose role is what. Exactly. And uh, with migration strategy, there also comes uh, a bit of a a few migration types. We will get into that later, but these are very important just to define what the acceptance criteria at the end is. What does the user want to see at the end? Are they okay with things being different? Are they not? Do they want to see the exact same stuff? These things need to be set at the beginning. So when it comes to time to for the users to validate, hey, here's your here's your stuff, and they don't recognize any of it, you know, that's <laughs> a bad look because that wasn't agreed upon. So just agreeing on the type of migration that is possible and what it's going to look like at the end will, of course, um, be favorable for the client to kind of be familiar with um, the hurdles and the obstacles that will be in the way.
1: Yeah, and not to mention that... Uh you know, uh, the, the cloud platform is also developing. So uh, the longer you wait for this uh, migration to happen, the more changes you are likely to see in the future. I mean, Solon already changed his design, the front-end design. It will likely go to a different set of colors soon. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's it was one thing to do the migration uh, a year or two years ago. Uh, I think a year ago, because two years ago, there wasn't IBC. Uh, but there, it might be a bit different story the longer
0: you you wait. Right, so (laughs) what you're saying is migrating from an on-premise to a Solonis, the longer you wait, the more divergent these two on-premise and IBC will become. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Okay, Um, the next step in this is the actual migration, right? This is where we actually go in and go through line by line of code Put it over into into the cloud and check that it runs. We need to pull off all the data that we need. We need to do do all the all the migration tasks that need to be done. Right. That this is really what the bulk of the work in 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 my eyes.
1: Right? So
0: uh, and those are what exactly? Um, the bulk of the work. Oh, that's for me going through the code. It's it's figuring out what the data scientists before me um wanted to write, or if there are. Any, um, finding bugs, potentially, um, kind of knowing if these this was intentional, did they just kind of miss a space or something? You know, um, getting all that, getting the meaning behind their code, it, working in the cloud. There's also, of course, problems that the some functions in the code where the database was running, for example, if it was running on Oracle, but right. we don't have an Oracle system, we have a Vertica system, right? There's difference of uh, functions and how they operate and how it handles spaces and things like that. And those all all that knowledge needs to be transferred correctly and identically to the cloud. OK, uh, so
1: I remember at the beginning of the episode, we kind of mentioned the different uh, objects that we have to transport. So now uh, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the data scientist, which we were at some point. Both of us were doing this, so we know very well what we're currently talking about. Currently are. And currently are, Patrick, yeah. Uh, so we have all these objects. Uh if you are this data scientist who is doing the the migration, uh what do you do first or like how do you proceed? What are your tasks? Let's say that uh you want to transport one analysis to to IBC. What do you do?
0: Oh boy. So if we already have the data and we already have the transformations and we okay, the data that's actually okay. Let's start at the <laughs> I beginning. I think. Okay. Yeah, let's start at the beginning, Patrick. Okay. So um first of all, it is important to kind of gather all the tables and all the the data that you need, right? Because an analysis doesn't need every single table. You only need some Mm -hmm. tables, right? And of course, the extraction part where we get the data and put it into the cloud is obviously not, it it obviously requires a lot of work. So we don't want to take more data than we need to, right? Because one, it's one, wasteful. Two, can take a long time. And um, generally kind of makes no sense, you know? So we try and figure out how much data actually needs to be uh, exported into the cloud. Obviously, for um, security reasons, it's obviously nice not to take all the data, but just all, all the stuff that you need. For example, I only want tables, but I don't want to get the user information, right? That's, that's private. That's um, GDPR related. We don't want any user information. So we don't even extract that into, into the cloud.
1: Yeah, and I think with that also comes uh, the different, uh, you know, restrictions you have on the table. So let's say we talked about purchase to pay process and uh, in there you are looking at certain kind of documents. Uh, If you already see in your code and in in, in the initial implementation that something is uh, specifically excluded for whatever reason it is, you might not even want to pull the data of this exclusion into your cloud because that's, again, as Patrick mentioned. Uh, unnecessary amount of work, takes more time.
0: And uh, why doing that? Exactly. Because it is a cloud instance. And like many of you know, um, you pay for what you use. So the more space you use, the the more expensive it will be. So it kind of makes sense to limit the, the amount of data that you need, just because one, the the space you'll occupy is, is less and you'll end up paying less because yeah. you end up using less space. Okay. So you got your data in your IBC instance. What is the next step? Well, then it is testing all the data, of course, because, you know, extractions can um, not always, obviously uh, function the way you think they do. Um, just verifying that you have all your data. That's a very big step. Uh, make sure that all your change logs and all the data is consistent across all the months. These are just generally good and good ideas. So what but you're once... saying,
1: what you're saying is that the <laughs> the extractions
0: may and will go bad at some point. <laughs> they always will. To to say that they'll go smoothly <laughs> is just a just a lie. They can they can yeah, wishful yeah, exactly. They can and will fail, and it's always always better to verify your work, right? So um, once you can verify your data integrity, let's call it we can then move on to migrating the the transformations, right? So that essentially means going into the client's database and saying, hey, what code did you have running for this data model, right? And then they give you the code. You have to obviously make sure that it's the current version of the code. And um, speaking of versioning, (laughs) yes, it is a um, a common occurrence. So um, figuring out what was written on their database and then translating it into our vertica dialect so on our on the database that is running in the cloud so and that is obviously the 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 bulk of the work right
1: yeah this is actually uh the most tedious part of of it all so uh imagine uh it's it's uh, with with any code even though it's a same branch of language so in here we are talking about sql language uh it will have a different interpretation. There will be a different functions. there will be a bit different set of rules on how you write the code and when you just take a code from one database to another, uh, you are almost guaranteed that not all of it will work, even though the from a from a functional perspective or from a from a logical perspective everything makes sense, you still will have some issues and uh unfortunately, there is no at the moment uh, there is no uh, online tool that would be uh that would be uh working with a precision enough that you would just copy paste your code from one database and it would translate it for you there are some but it doesn't work uh it doesn't work uh well enough for us to use so we really have to go into the each each code and we have to make sure that it's exec- it's executing as desired not to mention that each database also works with the uh with the uh, with the way how the code is computed differently, so what might have been running effortless and seamless in one database doesn't necessarily mean uh, that it will run without any issues in the new one, even when the the code doesn't contain any any errors or any any functional issues.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and this is also one of the 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 points that we will discuss later when we talk about the goals is do you want to already change your code while you're going through it, right? Because you said we have functions in one uh, database that we don't have in, in the cloud, right? So we need to think of something new. Now we're already changing the code. How far do we go to change the code when we might as well just say, well, we might as well just bug fix some things while we're here. We might as well optimize the runtime a little bit while we're already here. You know, these these are obviously things that need to be determined beforehand before we actually go do the migration. But these are things that to, to that come up in the in this stage, right? It is also painful kind of for us if we see a very obvious bug in the code, but we implement it anyway, right? The client is expecting this bug. It, it, it he's expecting that this looks the way it does, even though it's wrong. But you still have to implement it because that was agreed upon, right? Bit painful, yeah, but it's his little bug. It's his little bug that he just wants to exactly. be there. So um obviously um <laughs> now let us let, let, um let's move on to the to the next thing what what's next yeah then the next thing are the data
1: models so that's essentially the object that is storing uh whatever your queries ran so uh that contains the data that you will eventually work with and uh, and display in the front end of Salonis. Uh so luckily enough the data models don't differ too much from, from uh on uh on premise uh and ibc instance. So uh what you can do, and I think what we are doing right now is that we are uh you know we are using uh the the strength of, of uh Python, right, Patrick? Correct. And what we do is we kind of do Python version of copy-pasting of the data models. So meaning that we take uh whatever is in the on-site version and we just push it into the cloud version then we do some minor adjustments uh but the, the bulk of workload is actually done with this uh python uh
0: python uh, uh, uh leveraging exactly so if you if you imagine just a data model you uh, you have to add your tables you have to click it together with another table kind of put the the relation between these two tables together and then you're done this can't be that hard sure But we are talking about data models that have like 40, 50 tables in it, all relating to each other. Then those data models, there's multiple, multiple data models, tens, twenty, hundreds of data models that need to be migrated in some cases. It's a lot of work to to click. Like you will easily spend a whole week just clicking these tables together. And the rate of human error in this in this uh, is is it can of of course occur. So relying on Python to do this correctly. Um, and one very quickly, is of a huge help to us.
1: Uh, And the last object that we have here uh, that we need to also move are the Solonist reports. This is the stuff that you see in the front end that you can click through and that you see your your, your data and whatever you want. Uh, So also here, what we don't do is that we go and create them from scratch in the cloud because as Patrick said, that would be, uh, we would need about... uh, 10 times more time uh, than we currently need for this uh, migration, because creating a report in in Salonis can
0: get pretty difficult and uh, time-challenging, I would say. Absolutely. So here again, we rely on the strength of Python just to pull the analysis from the on-premise version, take its data, and just... Push it into into the cloud data. This works surprisingly well because the code that these both uh, rely on—the on-premise analysis and the analysis on the IBC—are um, pretty much identical, right? So um, the only real um, task that you still need to do once you've migrated is just check that everything's there. You know, did the Python script just uh, randomly terminate or something? So the what you will never what will never be, uh, you know taken away from you as a task is going into the analysis, checking the tabs, does everything work, right? If not, why isn't it working? (laughs) Why isn't it working? Yes, that's a common complaint (laughs) in this office. Um, So, and goals. Yeah, that's about it for the migration. Now let's move on to the goals or quote unquote migration strategy. Um, We've talked about this before. So there's, I think in my opinion, when we talk to clients, three ways they want to migrate predominantly there's one the one-to-one migration the i have this in my on-premise system i want to see exactly the same thing in the cloud i don't care how that's possible just do it i want one-to-one i, I love my analysis i love the the way it works give me the same thing in the cloud
1: yeah what is important to mention is that it will never be exactly one-to-one uh, not for the not because of the numbers won't match but because as we mentioned earlier, there will be there will have to be some minor changes at least in the code, because we are taking the script from from uh, one database to another, and even though you will get the same output, the same numbers, it won't match exactly what you had before. Plus, then there is the other thing, and that's also uh, the overall uh like how the architecture works so in ibc in the cloud version you will have certain uh certain intervals with uh with which you are extracting the data uh and then you are executing your queries so you will have one time point uh on when you have your data up to date while in the on-premise system you might have a bit different time point where you did uh run your extraction so When you then do the validation, you have to also take this into account and that just by opening two reports next to each other on the same screen and not having uh, the same numbers doesn't necessarily mean that the reports aren't identical.
0: Exactly. So what you touched upon is what we know as the delta gap, right? So the time when the transformations run in the on-premise to what you see in the analysis, that's the delta gap. And in the IBC, it's the time from when the extractions start to when the transformations run. To when the data model loads to when you finally see it in the analysis. So the time between these two points um is different, first of all. And you also have a difference of the, as you said, when the the snapshot of your data is displayed in 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 your front end. Exactly. Right. So so that's um one of the points that we obviously need to make clear to to the client that th- there's going to be some deviations. These will be minor and should kind of um only be happening in the current date you know because that's usually where these gaps tend to be um but yeah just kind of making sure that uh, we are talking the same language we're talking about um the, the yeah same we better
1: make you know? sure we are not missing 15 million euros in revenue in uh, in last year <laughs> exactly
0: yeah that would be a major major problem so right so, um, exactly
1: Uh, So this uh, one-to-one migration that we are uh, calling it is usually our entry point into any migration because uh, when you start taking one, uh, like uh, the data and the reports from point A to point B, at some point you do need to do the validation. And if you are going for one-to-one, It's very, very easy to validate, and it is your starting point to whatever you want to do in the cloud next. So in my opinion, uh, when you decide to go for the migration, you should always start with with having one-to-one, which is your checkpoint for whatever you do in the future.
0: I tend to disagree. I think the migration one-to-one is a lot harder to validate right? Because even the smallest deviations will be noticed. If you expect a one-to-one, both numbers need to match at the end of the day. Um, finding out why exactly these are different, right? Needs some time to investigate. We we usually spend a couple of hours just investigating, hey, why is this different in one system? And why does it look different, right? These things are difficult because you just need to explain the difference. If the client expects a one-to-one, you have to give them a one-to-one, right? So, um, Doing this, in my opinion, just a, the validation of this is a lot harder. So, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Jakob. Just, just my, it's just my opinion. But uh, as you said, the the functions will be different. And additionally, I don't think I've ever been part of a migration where we have noticed bugs, reported them, and they didn't want it fixed. I don't think. I don't think anybody has ever said that. So one, we are not just having different database functions and things like that. We're also improving the code, right? And here we all already start putting in intentional deviations, right? So when it comes to the validation phase, they will say, hey, well, these two numbers look different. Yes, because this is the exact bug that we talked about previously. You know, the, these, the bug that we fixed here has an effect like this, right? And then the, the numbers will change in this certain way. So you will need to explain the the effects of fixing these bugs or these improvements that you're doing. But the validation is a lot less strict, let's say, because if you already improve the code on your way to the migration, then it is easier to validate because um, the numbers won't be one-to-one. And you can say, yes, this is just the new norm because we fixed these bugs, we made these improvements. And there's just, I guess it's... (laughs) sounds like a bit of a cop-out but there's no um direct comparison anymore right right? so you're basically protecting uh yourself a bit in in this way (laughs) (laughs) well yeah yes in a way but also you need to prove the improvements that you made have the effect that they do right so you can't just say um um yeah i changed the the date conversion of the delivery times and they say well now I have 15 billion euros missing in last year. And you're like, yes, that's totally that improvement. No, no, <laughs> that doesn't work. You, it, you have to, of course, um, explain the improvements that you're making, lay out what effect it has, and kind of show it one-to-one. Because you can run two versions of right. the code, right? So you can say, this is the way it looks before, and this is the way it looks with the, with the improvement. I think uh, I think it again comes back to
1: what we are trying to stress a lot of times in our podcast, and that's the communication, that uh, you still need to be very clear on what you are doing, why you are doing it, and explain as thoroughly as possible to whoever is going to be validating it for you that it is okay to be this way. And also, I mean, when we are talking about migration and the possible deviation, regardless whether you do one-on-one migration or a migration with already some enhancements and improvements. Uh, What I'm trying to say is that there will be some deviations and you got to know why are they happening. Uh, Exactly. That's probably the the, the key point in this. So even though the numbers will be almost identical, there might not be exactly identical. And uh, our job as the data scientist is to know why and be able to actually
0: explain why. Exactly, the worst answer you can give to "why are there deviations" is "I don't know." That's the the you should always um, we always uh, strive to explain the the deviations because, uh, well, one it just restores the confidence in the analyses, right? If the if there is already going to be different data, you have to uh, restore the confidence in the the validity of the data that the user is going to mm-hmm. see, right? Moving on to the last or the third migration type that we intend to come across is the full-on do-over. That's where a client is incredibly unhappy with um, the analysis as they are. And they are slow. They're not very performant. They don't really show the right things or they show processes that aren't relevant anymore. And they just say, hey, we're just going to move our stuff to the cloud. And what we move is kind of maybe the idea of a process. So if they had a bad O2C process in the on-premise. They used to say, well, we want an O2C, but just do it from scratch. You know, just start fresh. We'll just start fresh, get rid of all the old stuff, put in all the new stuff. Yeah,
1: we don't like our numbers. It takes too long. So uh, please make it look that our O2C is a bit better and a bit more <laughs> uh, uh, efficient than it really is.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. We do not I mean, fake numbers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we can't really... Just change the way the the performance of your business works. But we, what we can do is, of course, make the analyses better, enhance them with new features, enhance them with new um, with new code, make it cleaner, make it faster, and things like that.
1: Yeah, and I, I gotta say that sometimes the initial implementation is such a mess that uh, it <laughs> opting out for building it from scratch is uh, might be even easier uh, and less time consuming than just rebuilding whatever has been done before.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So building it from scratch sounds like a drastic option in times, but um, knowing code and knowing the way it can look, um, sometimes it is the better option. But with a full on do over of code, you will. <laughs> there, there is no validation to speak of, right? There, essentially, you can just say, test against your source database, see if your sales orders are here, see if yeah. um, all your accounts are here, and just do basic validation, well, like a validation we would do in any type of implementation. But there isn't really a one-to-one comparison where you look at the on-premise system on your analysis and check against the new ones. It just won't make any sense.
1: Uh, Patrick, if I remember correctly, uh, you are complaining a lot about how many tests think you have to do in each validation process in in this uh, migration. Can you elaborate on that a bit more? How do you do the testing? How do you do the validation in general?
0: Well, so once we have completed the migration and we're happy with um, the, the way it looks, we obviously do pre-checks to make sure, hey, the numbers match roughly, you know, blah blah blah. Uh, we obviously then give it to a user department because the user department at the end has to work with it, right? They have to recognize their own data, they have to recognize their analyses, right? And then they go in and they get a huge list of tests to perform, right? Do the counts match? Do the amount of activities match? Does my KPI in this um, sheet? look correct, do the colors match? Everything you could possibly think of, they get a, a huge list of all these things to check. And if one of those things doesn't match, <laughs> you will be notified. <laughs> there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a defect. So then you have this endless yeah. issue log uh, that you
1: have to go uh, through each point. Uh, and it also, I can imagine also differs in complexity of the solution. Like, is this only a change of the color? Or is this actually something completely wrong and I have to go into the code and re-execute everything and hope for the best?
0: Absolutely. I mean, the thoroughness can be tedious for sure. And for us, I'm getting a defect for the same issue over and over again is obviously a bit of a time drain because we have to deal with the, the the defect, have to talk to the user, say, hey, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But there is a point to it. And being this thorough has its point is we have fixed, I think, three bugs in the last migration just that we just failed, you know, we wrongly implemented something and the users found that the numbers don't match and it was correct that we did it wrong, you know, and then we went in and fixed it, found the bug, fixed it, and now the numbers match. So the the thoroughness, the, the attention to detail can lead to a very good uh, results. Uh, Speaking of defects and issues,
1: uh, each migration, there will be some obstacles on the way. Uh, What is coming to your mind as a first one that we are talking about migration? What is the issue? What are we usually facing? Uh, And how do you sort it out or mitigate it as a matter of fact?
0: How how do you mean? Do you mean like the first thing that comes to mind when you say um, issues? Yeah. Okay. One of them being uh, predominantly, do the testers know how to test? right so when we give uh the testers these new analyses and they should check them do they know how to check for differences right that's a major thing you can't just look at the analysis and hey this looks different i'm going to report a defect okay but how does it how does it differ can you maybe think of already why does it differ can you maybe filter it on the same date range to kind of see that the numbers match right So um, that is one of the things that we tend to do in our meetings beforehand is give a little validation guide that is just, hey, you should filter on this time range, focus between March to September, right? Then we can compare the same date range on the on-premise and the cloud, right? You should focus on sales orders, right? Or focus on filter it this way, Um, focus on... The idea behind the defect. Do you see this in one sheet, or uh, or do you see this in all the sheets? Right. Is this a defect that occurs in many places, or just in one? You know, just kind of give them an idea of what to test, because getting more information from the testers about what is wrong it helps us incredibly much in figuring out what the actual bug is. Right. Uh, What I was,
1: uh, or (laughs) what I had a lot of issues with when I was working on the migration was generally uh especially regarding uh the the actual database so i already mentioned it before when you transport script from a to b you will have to do some changes which wasn't an issue uh you know uh even though it's a bit tedious uh, you correct everything your functions are now working uh you catch all the little bugs but what was really uh really i was struggling with was that each database also Computes differently, so you have a different uh, computing power on on on-premise system and a different computing power on uh, on cloud system. And uh, even though they might be similar, uh, they might not work exactly the same. So they are working with the data differently. And what was acceptable in let's say Hana environment is no longer acceptable in in uh, in cloud environment. And then you have to go and look for ways around it. How do you? how do you optimize the query in a way that it's still giving you the output that you want, but won't uh, come or won't uh, start having issues with uh, while being executed. So this was a a huge pain point for me. And uh, I personally spent a lot of time just optimizing the queries.
0: Um, Yeah, so currently, uh, I am also in a phase of a project where all we're doing is optimizing the scripts mm. because we realized the way that we're transporting them is not really um, efficient right so um, it's causing issues with um, just the performance of the of the whole cloud. so we decided, hey, let's take some time to optimize these scripts and that has led to some incredible results. So um, scripts that used to take 40 hours to execute in the on-premise system now takes five hours in the cloud. Oh, wow. And that is massive improvement. That essentially means that, hey, you can load your data model once a week, but now we can load it daily, right? Right. So you have up-to-date data, right? So these uh, performance improvements is also very good for the user at the end of the day. It also comes to
1: the experience of the data science. So uh, just because something runs longer in the cloud doesn't mean that the, well, it means that the script might not be optimal. But it doesn't mean that the cloud database will be uh, less uh, powerful, right? All you need to probably do is just to think about how the new database is going to work with the data and optimize your script in a way that the new database likes it more, can, can process it better. And then uh, surprisingly, you might come, as Patry just, as, as you, Patrick, just mentioned, to significantly better runtimes than you ever wished for in the previous environment. End. Exactly.
0: And it's not just runtimes that are important. It's also the stability yeah. of the transformations, right? If, you're, uh, if your transformations can range from, hey, sometimes they run 20 hours, sometimes 10 hours, sometimes they fail. It's not very stable. But if you get consistently 15 hours, every time you execute, they get 15 hours. That is a win in my eyes because it, the transformations are stable and you don't need to worry about them working one day and not working the next.
1: Yeah. However, you still need to keep in mind that uh, even in cloud, it's still some kind of a system and each system uh, comes with a different set of issues. Uh, in in, in uh, Solonis specifically, there uh, are times when there are some updates. So the system is simply down and sometimes you just don't foresee it and... Uh, uh, you have a lot of dependencies in your queries. Uh, so let's say you first need to extract the data, then you need to run your queries, and then you need to load your data model. And if one piece fails, then usually all pieces fail and you have to start over. So these are the things that you need to keep in mind. And uh, especially at the time when you are basically running on two environments at the same time, so before you conclude your uh, your transport, before you conclude your migration, you will have for a set of uh, for for a period of time running two systems in parallel the on premise and the cloud and uh <laughs> there's going to be a lot of headaches from that because each system will have different set of issues and you will have to sort them out uh during this uh this period so get ready or be prepared for
0: this Jakub, you have mentioned I have, from listening to you, I have now thought of two things that uh, have caused me major headaches in the the last migration. One, development freeze, right? Do the developers on the on-premise system know that during the duration of the migration, they shouldn't change a single thing, right? Because we get the code at one, one point in time. And if that changes, the migration will obviously, the validation of the migration will obviously be untestable because the code has changed since then, right? This is a major thing. Do does do all the parties involved in these systems know that the migration is happening and that they shouldn't touch anything? This was a, a massive problem in the, the the last migration, I believe. And also, speaking of wrong versions of code, um, we were in a migration, and on the last day of um actually writing the code, um, we noticed that we've been implementing the wrong version oh. of of the code <laughs> that was actually supposed to be tested on monday right that was on friday so we got the new code and now we had to just compare what was changed since uh, since then oh. and yeah that was that was a very rough friday that sounds like a ton of fun <laughs> yeah it was it was not <laughs> but yeah ensuring that that the code that should be migrated is verified, and that nobody has a different idea of what code needs to needs to be right. running in the cloud. In the, at the end of the day. Patrick, uh,
1: wrapping up the episode slowly, uh, let's say that you are about to, to start uh, a full migration uh, for your customer from scratch. You are the project manager and also a lead data scientist and you tell everyone what to do. The, my favorite position to be at. Of course. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? How would you go go about it step by step to, to mitigate uh, the potential issues and to
0: run the project as seamlessly as possible? Well, the first thing I would do is listen to the Mining Your Business podcast on the Solonis <laughs> Migration. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> course, of course. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, um, kind of go through the timeline that we spoke about before. Gathering the requirements at the beginning, right? Figuring out how it's going to be and how the migration should be set up. Who does want to assign people different roles, what they should take care of, um, providing the code, providing the data, verifying the data. Go through all these steps one by one and do not deviate, right? Because this, the thing that you set at the start will be the basis on which you will validate at the end. So if you say, hey, I want a one-to-one migration, that's how we're going to do it. You know, If there are some bugs on the way that are fixed or if they're, if they're, the migration cannot be one-to-one, this needs to be already discovered beforehand, before the actual migration takes place so that the users know what to expect and what the users will accept at the end of the day. You know, and after all that is said and done, the migration can happen, and validation can also hopefully pr- prove that the migration was done correctly.
1: Uh, you said it, Patrick. Uh, you are the expert now for for migrations, and so are actually we in Pet Process. And so, if you uh, listener by any chance are even thinking about migration and running on the older Solonist version. Uh, and have some question regarding uh, how to migrate it. Uh, and if you eventually need some help, just get in touch with us either on mining or business podcast uh, at gmail.com or uh, you can also find us on a process website. So feel free to visit. In any case, I think for the episode,
0: Patrick, that would be it for today, unless you have anything else to add. Um, no, I think from the amount of complaining we just did in the last five minutes, I think the users know that we have, or the listeners, sorry, <laughs> listeners know we have had some quite a lot of experience in the migration topic. <laughs> so this is a, a topic that is very close close to our hearts. You know, migration at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, the, the perks
1: coming uh, out of being in a new environment, I think overweights uh, the, the headaches that come during the migrating period. And then uh, after you run in a in a cloud solution for a couple of months, you won't even remember how how uh, it used to be back in the days in your in your on-site version
0: absolutely I don't think I've met a client that was unhappy after the migration or said oh, I wish we didn't." True, true. So uh, yeah, uh,
1: thank you for listening. Uh, We will be looking forward uh, with the next episode. We will have another guest here, another colleague of ours, and we will be speaking about uh, workshops. So stay tuned for the next one. And thank you for listening for today. And Patrick, have a nice day. Bye. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye.